Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Lute and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Gregory, how are we doing? Doing quite well, Scott. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing great. Good weekend. It's gorgeous here again. Best time of year. One of the best times of year here in the metro Atlanta area. And uh, You are getting your fall as you desired, and it doesn't appear to be a false fall this time, right? We're keeping our fingers crossed, Greg. We are keeping right. our fingers crossed. It's going to get hot. It will be around Halloween when all those poor kids have their <laughs> have their costumes on, right? <laughs> that's right. Speaking of Halloween, that's one of the things we'll be talking about here on the Supply Chain Buzz, where we share some of the leading stories across global business. Greg, we're going to be talking about a variety of topics today, and we've got an, a great guest joining us about 12.25 p.m. Eastern Time as Ryan Kitchy with Six River Systems will be here. And uh, finally, Greg, folks should get ready because we're going to hear from them as well, right? Yeah, no doubt. Let, let me uh, let me check that out and see if we're hearing from anybody yet. <laughs> we got a bunch of folks oh, yeah. chiming wow. in. Uh, but before we before we say hello to a few folks, I want to make sure folks are aware of uh, the U.S. Bank Freight Payment Index for third quarter 2022 just came out. Chock full of insights on the domestic freight market. We had a great review live stream last week. Greg, we'll be releasing that replay this week. But you know what is great about the freight payment index beyond all the information? Tell us, Scott. <laughs> it's free. It is free. You can check it out. You can sign up for it uh, to hit your inbox uh, each quarter at uh, freight.usbank.com. And Greg, this is uh, we look forward to this discussion each quarter, right? Yeah, and a great one this quarter. So when we publish that show, which we do live at every quarter, so keep your calendar open for that. But when we publish that, it's a great opportunity to hear from somebody who's not only a supply chain educator at the top, arguably the top supply chain school in the world, Michigan State, but right. also an incredible economist, studier, and user of the freight payment index. So he knows of what he speaks. <laughs> That's right. So y'all check that out, freight.usbank.com. One other quick note before I say hello to a few folks, we want to wish everybody around the world happy Diwali to all of our friends and supply chain our family and listeners, you name it, that are tuned in to celebrate this uh, sacred holiday. I'm so glad that they've shortened that. You know, it's used to be, and I think sometimes still is, called Deepavali and uh, the Festival of Lights, right? And yeah, yeah. Oh boy, that's a lot for me <laughs> to spit out. Well, you know I struggle to get my kids' names right still from time to time. So uh, I'll take all the convenience we can get. But, uh, hey, if you uh, celebrate this uh, wonderful holiday, uh, we're wishing you all all the very best. Um, okay. So let's uh, – Greg, we're going to move fast today. This is a jam-packed session. Uh, and looks like we've got a jam-packed uh, cheap seats, uh, skybox, you name it. Uh, we'll yeah. say hello to uh, Donna via LinkedIn. Uh, Donna, let us know where you're tuned in from. Great to have you here with us today. Uh, Bob tuned in from, from uh, well, I'm not sure. Bob, tell, let us know where you're tuned in from uh, via LinkedIn. That's right. Uh, Todd Morley is uh, with us here today via LinkedIn. Todd, great to see you. Uh, Bill Vining, also via LinkedIn. Good morning to you. I bet Jonathan is happy this morning. 
Greg, oh, what do yeah. you think? What a struggle. And you too. Tigers, all the Tigers had a good weekend, <laughs> didn't they? That's right. The Lions, Jonathan. not so much, but the Tigers. Come on. <laughs> oh, gosh. Jonathan, uh, congrats to your LSU Tigers. And yes, as Greg mentioned, Clemson snuck past Syracuse this weekend. That was a tough game to watch, especially the first half. But Jonathan. They tried to see the way, didn't they? <laughs> Man, you're in line. Catherine. I uh, really appreciate all the work you and Amanda and Chantel and the whole production team uh, does behind the scenes. Great to see you. And the here. comedy. Supply chain and comedy. I mean, it, you're going to see it, folks. But Catherine is one of the funniest people I have ever met. And super quick and witty. She did it again today. She did. Right? Uh, she sh- <laughs> we, may, we may have to recycle that joke uh, later in the episode. But yeah. uh, Catherine yeah. always brings it. Hey, Old TV, Tom Valentine's with us here today. Happy Diwali, Scott and Greg. Tom, hope this finds you and your family well. All right, Greg, I'm going to hit just a couple more of these. Uh, uh, Julio, good morning again from my supply chain internship in Houston. Great to have you back with us, Julio. And he also, he's a big Strohs fan. The Strohs and the Phillies got to duke it out in the World Series. Greg, if you had to pick really quick, who's winning? Phillies. Ooh, Julio. Sorry, I mean... First of all, I hate the Astros because they're cheaters, but um, maybe not this season or else we just haven't found out yet. But um, but the Phillies looked, I mean, I mean, San Diego came into that series hot, hot, hot. Right. And right. they absolutely crushed them. Now, Astros did the same with the Yankees. I mean, even the judge had to leave the courtroom. <laughs> all right. Finally, uh, Gene Pledger. Great to have you back with us, uh, GP. Tune in via LinkedIn. Hello from Pack Expo Chicago. Hey, he's got something in common with our esteemed guests here today. And finally, Tafara is tuned in from Zimbabwe via LinkedIn. Great to have you here. Looking forward to your perspective as we work our way through a lot of uh, interesting stories here today. Okay, so Greg, are you ready to dive into? We got a jam pack episode. Are you ready to dive into the first story here today? Yes. Let's dive. All right. Let's dive. Was, so um, wow. So we're, you're starting with a, a tough topic, right? Yep. Uh, so uh, the Korean automaker Hyundai is looking into claims of child labor in its U.S. supply chain. So, Greg, according to Reuters, Hyundai is expecting to sever ties with at least one of its suppliers in Alabama, and that would be Smart Alabama and Laverne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and an investigative report documented kids there working as young as 12 years old in that plant. Now, those findings led the Alabama Department of Labor to get involved, and they found kids as young as 13 working at a second Hyundai supplier, this one called SL Alabama in Alexander City. Mm -hmm. Greg, your thoughts? Well, I've read not just this article, but also some related articles, and this is um, the latest in a string of arguable offenses by these Korean companies operating in Alabama. Smart and SL, both both Korean-based companies or or um, divisions of of them, and uh, very often, strangely, uh, Latin, uh, Central and South American um, migrants as as the underage workers, right? And in fact, in one case, one parent had three kids working in one plant, and that's not. All of it. So the Department of Labor has been investigating these com- these companies and um, the combination of companies since at least 2009 for health, 
OSHA violations, um, amputations, and mm. other issues that have occurred in these plants. Scott, you're really familiar with metal stamping as occurs, mm. and that's what Smart does. And it's a dangerous business. It's definitely not any place for kids. Obviously, there are laws against that, and Alabama specifically has a law that no one under 18 even though the legal working age is 16, no one under 18 can work in a mental stamping facility, metal stamping facility in Alabama. So I, I, um, I'm not saying, not saying it's impossible for Hyundai to have not known about this. I'm just saying it's impossible for me to believe that Hyundai didn't know about this after over 10 years of discussions with the Department of Labor of the U.S. and the various states. Right. Um, yeah, we're going to keep our uh, uh, fingers on the pulse of this story. So um, we'll see if they do indeed sever ties. And of course, as Greg, as you mentioned, it is a dangerous, uh, it can be really dangerous. A lot, a lot of moving parts, a lot of big presses. Of course, not a place, not a place for kids. So um, so moving right along uh, on a little, little bit of a lighter story, not really light, but um, this is interesting, Greg. Uh, so get this, NATO, as we all know, NATO members have donated tons of military weaponry and supplies of Ukraine to support the country's brave efforts at repelling the Russian invasion. Greg, anyone that knows us and follows Supply Chain Now knows of our efforts to uh, volunteer with our friends at Vector Global Logistics, who have sent over 500,000 pounds of humanitarian supplies to folks right. in Ukraine and Poland. Uh, so maybe we can drop a link to that in the chat. But hey. Now, NATO members are looking at more closely aligning their procurement efforts to not only replace all of that inventory, but also to streamline procurement and supply needs for any future contingencies. So this effort, right, it's been, it's been um, uh, at work for quite some time, was recently boosted in September when NATO's 30 members and 20 allied countries set up working groups to, quote, define multinational strategies to mitigate supply chain constraints, unquote, as well as ramp up production and help make equipment more interchangeable, which, of course, is it can be a challenge when you're talking about basically 50 different militaries from 50 different countries. Uh, Greg, your thoughts here? I mean, I think in some cases it's a good idea, in some cases not. I mean, you know, it's not, as many people from the military have said, it's not what um, it's not what we have in terms of military technology that's really secret. We know that's already been stolen in a lot of cases. It's what we know that causes us to build certain mechanisms about our enemies or mm. whatever you want to call them. Russia is unquestionably an enemy. Um, and, and, and sometimes that can be, with the wavering politics in, in Europe, it can be dangerous to share some of that information. So I think... You know, there's a lot of benefit in standardizing a goodly number of the of the products so that when you put a weapon in a Swedish guy's hands, it's the same as the weapon in the American soldier's hands as well. Things like that. Uh, maybe even just some of the supplies. Right. Right. I mean, I don't know how much how well they like Taco Bell in in Sweden <laughs> or in Poland or other NATO countries. But. You know, we actually have Taco Bells on site, Scott. I don't know if you ever had that when you were deployed, but even in in moving camps, we we have those, and I think that's a huge benefit to the world. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Uh, you, you know, along going back a second ago, you know, 
all NATO members agreed to boost military funding. Uh, I'm not sure the time frame it was a couple of years ago, but what has uh, what the data shows is it wasn't until Russia invaded Ukraine that there was action behind uh, or the deeds behind those words. So um, it's interesting, you know. Uh, we learn a lot from the military, right? A mm-hmm. business, global business does, and I think in this case, perhaps. Uh, the global military ecosystem might be learning something from global supply chain. We'll see. Well, in, anything those countries can do to contribute is helpful because the U.S. funds a huge, huge portion of NATO. That's right. right. That and, is and right. It has been, let's say, encouraging, in some cases demanding, depending on who's in office, that those those countries participate in their own protection. So if that can happen, that's a huge burden off of the U.S.'s shoulders as well. That's right. And before I get any texts, let me just, of course, the military basically invented logistics, right? I'm not taking anything away from that. This is more about the planning and the collaboration amongst many different systems and and entities and countries and and, uh, leadership structures. This is a big deal. So we'll see how it plays out. And and most importantly, what the outcomes are. Uh, Not business outcomes, maybe in this case, Greg, although, of course, there's a bunch of... uh, um, private and public companies that are that are going to be making and delivering the supplies that we're talking about, but uh, a lot of government outcomes and military outcomes as well. Um, okay, so Greg, we got a little time. We're, I'm, I can't believe it. We're actually a couple minutes ahead of schedule. Let's go and back wanna, to Monday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's a that's a, a tough story on a Monday morning. That, re- that definitely deserves a revisit, and they they're going to get a substantial revisit on that. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, pseudoscientist is in the cheap seats. He says, I'm always in the cheap seats. Well, hey, let us know what you're thinking on these stories. We'd love to uh, share y'all's perspective here today. Clay Phillips, Diesel, because his engine's always running. It's here as well. Happy Buzz Day, he says. Uh, let's see here. Glad he Peter said B- that. I've been forgetting that the last couple of weeks, right? Happy Buzz Day. <laughs> the, the term that Clay invented. That's right. That's right. Now, get this. Peter Bolle, all night and all day. He's checking us out on Facebook. Peter, great to have you back. Good old PB. Maybe LinkedIn might be being blocked in Canada. Is it? I don't know. He seems well, to be having problems with it. <laughs> well, YouTube, he says it's even better here. So cheers to you as well, uh, Peter. Hope this finds you well. Catherine appreciates your comments and perspective on her sense of humor. Uh, it's very real. Julio, not a fan of the your Astros comments. <laughs> uh, Bob, I, I we asked, hope not. <laughs> we asked Bob uh, where he hail is. So he, he's in the Nashville area, which is a great city. Uh, lots of great food and, and people there in Nashville and uh, probably a lot of happy football fans. Um, although they're, they got a big test coming up. I think in a couple of weeks is uh, Georgia and Tennessee get together, right? That'd be a good <sighs> game. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the Titans. Yes. Yeah. They got a big <laughs> test coming all right, so Greg, um, th- now we get to move to some lighter, some lighter news, right? Those, those first two stories, of course, never going to make light of what's taking place in Ukraine. It's uh, heartbreaking to see some of the latest attempts, um, latest actions that are going on there. But um, all that aside, moving to a much lighter note, Halloween here in the states and, and probably many other places is right around the corner. But Greg, I tell you. Inflation, nothing. Um, inflation, inflation touches everything, right? And it's going to be touching our wallets when it comes to inflation-fueled candy prices. So get this. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, candy here in the States is generally going to be 13.1% more expensive than last year. 
But I got some specific examples for you, Greg. Let me see if I can pull this up. Do you like Skittles, Gregory? Yeah. 42% more than what they cost us last year. Yeah, and so I wonder. Hard. That really hits me hard. <laughs> well, yeah. So Skittles is up 42% more than last year. Starburst, at least according to Axios, prices are up 35% more than last year. And I'm, I'm curious. I wonder if you're getting the same amount of candies. You know, this, uh, what, shrinkflation, I think some folks have coined that, where you're not only paying more, yeah. but you're getting less. Greg. Uh, are there going to be some tears in your household? Are you are you going to be a here's a here's a better question? Are you going to be a full candy bar or a full candy package household this Halloween? Uh, you know our neighborhood is fairly small, and it's like kids have forgotten that it's here. But <laughs> we have a bunch of doctors in the neighborhood, and instead of giving out healthy treats, they love to give out full size candy bars. Makes them feel man. Important, I think and. So it's kind of a it's kind of an arms race when it comes to candy. So, yes, full size packs of Starburst, uh, definitely Skittles. I mean, everybody loves Skittles. Everybody loves um, Skittles. And and you know what's interesting about this statistic, Scott? Thirteen point one percent increase in prices right. this year. Two and a half percent since August. The amount of time that it took candy prices to rise previously thirteen percent was between two, uh, 1997 and 2006, 19 years to wow. go 13%. And it's gone up 13% in this year. So just to give you some perspective of how um, overrun this nation in, and the world is with inflation, a 2% inflation rate, which is what we had uh, before all the stimulus and everything, right, causes prices to double every 36 years. An 8.2% uh, inflation rate causes prices to double every eight and three quarters years. So we have four over four times the inflation rate that we had and, yeah. and you know, the value of everything doubling three times mm. as fast, at least three times as fast. Well, I tell you, I sure am glad I brushed up on my multiplication and my fractions this morning, Greg, because you just threw a lot of math at our listeners there. But the point is, Man, the prices and how fast. Uh, it's remarkable. So this is what we did. Uh, first off, I see a special guest, my mom, Leah Luton, uh, tuned in from Aiken, South Carolina. Mm. What she wants to know, <laughs> right? She wants to know about these commodities known as milk duds. Mom, uh, we'll get our research team on that ASAP and I'll get back to you. Yeah, uh, that's, soon. that's a good question. And I would imagine <laughs> because milk duds, their shelf life isn't as long as some other candy. They get kind of chalky and hard. Yeah. That's After a good point, Greg. Well, um, let me tell you what we did here in the Luton household, Greg, yes, is God. we had to cut the middleman out and we went straight Whoa. to the store. So yeah, we're getting uh we're getting our pallets of candy. Airheads, I'm a I'm a, I'm a little bit partial to. They work great for motivating your kids in different ways, at least when they're when they're still young, like mine are. Uh in fact, we barter our loot economy is based on airheads here uh and within our four walls. Isn't so that right. <laughs> So yeah, cut out the middleman and go straight to the source. Um, so you're buying it wholesale. There you go, people. The consumer will find a way. <laughs> That's right? right. Because as Greg always says, the consumer is the beginning and the end of supply chain. Right, Greg? Indeed. 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 If, and if we haven't seen that before, we are sure seeing it now because we continue to spend money, even though everything mm. has gone up in some cases 30, 40%. 
right? Man, unbelievable. It is incredible. I don't know. We're, I hope we don't run out kind of all at once, right? Well, I saw, um, and I'm going I'm to share a couple of quick comments here in just a second, but I saw over the weekend, I think it was a Whirlpool CEO, right? They're doing some big things to try to attack their inventory there. And uh, he was he was quoted, I'm going to paraphrase it, basically, you know, typically when demand starts to really decrease, you know, prices can go with it in conjunction, move in the same direction. But they're seeing demand not crash, but really uh, drop dramatically. But price, uh, prices and costs are increasing in many ways. So mm-hmm. it's a very unique time. Uh, of course, Halloween, anything consumer-related, all of life is going to be impacted, right, with what's going on in supply chain. But uh, I tell you, we're going to be writing a book about this um, in 20 years from now and look back at these times and learn a lot from it from a global uh, business standpoint. Greg, your, your final comment. For yeah, there are a ton of people couple. learning a lot about it now. I think uh, I saw Mike Rowe, right, from yeah. – um, Dirty Jobs fame. Now Mike Rowe works, which is a great, uh, it's a great philanthropy, I think, whatever initiative yep. to put people to work in skilled, but not college jobs. And he said there are 7 million, and he's just talking about men here, 7 million, what he calls able-bodied men who are not in the workforce mm. in any manner. They have in fact stopped looking for work. And that's why uh, you know, this is the question I think a lot of us have been asking for months is how can there be so many open positions when so many people aren't working? And it's because many, many people have stopped looking, right? They've got right. a YouTube channel or a side hustle that's now their front hustle or whatever. Um, so I, I think, and and also remember that 3.6 million more baby boomers retired last year than were expected to, and they were all re- ready retiring at a rate of 10,000 a day. So right. um, I think a lot of people have just kind of hung it up, at least for now. What could happen is this inflationary, uh, you know, stagflation, I guess we ought to call it at this point, like they did in the 70s, where it's inflationary, but but demand is falling. Um, I think that could bring some people back into the workforce. And we know that labor is is what we need. In a lot of cases, labor is what put us in this position, um, you know, as demand rose and people couldn't work. Right. We saw the impact. We're going to talk right. a lot about it in just a few That's minutes right. how <laughs> you can offset that, because some of those changes, I believe, are permanent in terms yeah. of workforce. Uh, so much, Ben, a lot of what you brought up there, so much we could talk about over you know, the next six hours. Um, but we are going to talk a good bit about warehousing and workforce here in just a second. Some great ideas coming from our guests. I want to share a couple of quick comments here. Folks, we're trying to make it easy. So some of the articles we talked about on the front end here, we've dropped those links so y'all can check them out and develop your own take. Uh, so y'all do that. Uh, hello to this uh, person from Lisbon, Portugal. Sometimes uh, if your profile shows up like this, especially on LinkedIn, it's just a security setting on your profile. You can change it. That way we can see who you are. But greetings to you there in a beautiful um, Scott's side Portugal. hustle is LinkedIn support. <laughs> uh, Greg is completely kidding. For LinkedIn support, you, you could make millions. <laughs> oh, gosh. Jose. That is Jose. So, Jose, welcome, welcome. Uh, let's see here. I also want to recognize we mentioned Tennessee coming up. That big, they're having a big year. Right, big year, um, and they got Georgia in a few weeks. And Todd, clearly big old Vols fan, so uh, congrats on a great season thus far. 
And let's see what here. A barn burner. I'm still going back to that Alabama game. Right. It sure was. Man. Great game. Uh, Julio talks about the Port of LA. Saw the lowest loaded import containers in September since 2009. How about that? Yeah. That's incredible. I, you know, I haven't, I haven't paid much attention, sadly, to what the backup is there. You know, I had, I have my own East Coast index that for the last couple of weeks I've been, I've been uh, failing to check up on, which I'm going right. to do right now. Okay. Yeah, do that. But uh, it is interesting. I wonder what the state of of LBC and and LA are. Well, the Wall Street Journal knows. Yeah. I like that. Who knows? The bo- many many folks believe the bottleneck. Wall Street Journal over the weekend was talking about the bottlenecks really has been addressed. Now, some of that, of course, could, you know, we talked last week, Greg, about um, imports to all U.S. ports, mm-hmm. seaports is dropping second half of the year. Right. But probably a number of factors um, uh, compiling to resolve what was an ongoing bottleneck for the last couple of years, right? Um, yeah. I can tell kids, you that Port of Savannah. Still jammed up, and ooh, looks like there's some building traffic outside of Charleston. Let's take a okay. look. Okay, real time updates. Real time updates, folks. So <laughs> forgive me. While I all right, why you why you look up the Port of LA? Yeah. Uh, all right, this is probably Amanda says kids are going to be eating sc- scattles, scattles, and sunburst candies, Snookers, and Twinks chocolate bars in our neighborhood. I think she's talking about maybe knockoff candies. Instead <laughs> yeah, of the <laughs> Sometimes those are typos, and I always uh, hit those typos, but I think I get your point, Amanda. That's a great point, too. Wow, it and, does hey, look like, uh, it does look like, I mean, the log jam offshore has largely yeah. broken. I mean, at least right this moment, I don't see a lot of ships at anchor. Okay. Within 150 miles of of LA. So. And that is our Greg White Global Shipping and Transportation Logistics Freight Both Coasts Index. Just <laughs> that's like compiled that, right? by that's right. Uh and yeah. good morning to you, Gloria Mar. Uh she's on a training break. Didn't want to miss the buzz. Hey, we appreciate you being here with us. And no training break. Share. Yes. Training break, but didn't want to miss the buzz. Oh, oh hey. yeah. I thought you said on a train. Sorry. <laughs> so Glormar, great to see you. And hey, we got the do du- we got the powerful duo here, mom and dad. So hey, dad. All right. Let's, let's, what's dad's favorite candy? That's what I'm it's Ooh, probably Swedish a, fish, don't you think? As much as he likes fishing? Could be. Could be. Uh if fudge rounds were a candy, that would be uh that would be on that short list, Dad. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what uh, what candy he what's wants yours, to ask Scott? about. Well, so Airheads has become, really? I, I think after stealing them from my, my kids' candy bags for quite some time, uh, they you know developed a little uh, uh, craving. But, hey, Snickers, Twix, you know, chocolate-covered cherries are good around the holidays. Uh, but I'll stop there because I try to – I try to um, all good things in moderation. Right, Greg? All good things. I have come back around to my favorite from my high school days – candy bar that was introduced when I was in high school called the Whatchamacallit. Okay. (laughs) That was good. Yeah. I remember those commercials back in the day, but so I digress. So we we digress. digress. I just got you to. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to take one comment and then we're going to bring on a great guest here today because as Emmett Rogers says, yes, we are excited for Ryan Kitchy, the legendary Chicago icon. Why do I guess that Emmett works for Ryan? (laughs) 
<laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Uh, but Gary says, Cub Scouts are selling one bag of popcorn yesterday in Naperville, Illinois, for 23 bucks for one little bag, Gary says. How will he explain to the den leader while sales are down? It's an excellent question, uh, Gary. Excellent question. He should bring you back to their next uh, den meeting, Gary, and maybe you can help. We'll have an SNOP meeting. That's right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> right. Um, okay. We got to get back. We're going to rein it back in because we got a great guest here today. We really enjoyed our, our pre-show conversations. And I want to introduce Greg. You ready to go? I am now. Yes. I, have, it up. I think I have uh, spilled all my excess energy. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, here we go. I want to welcome in a uh, special guest, uh, Ryan Kitchy, Solutions Executive with Six River Systems. Hey, hey, uh, Kitchy, how you doing? Good afternoon, Scott. Good to see you, sir. You as well. Uh, Greg, we enjoyed chatting with uh, Ryan. I appreciate it today, didn't we? Yeah, welcome aboard. Can we call you Kitchy? Do we know each other well enough to do that? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. If it, it feels right, let it be. Yeah, I, lo I love it when people just, they just go with one name. I like that. Kitchy. It's also a definition, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, so folks, just to clarify, Ryan goes by his last name very often, his, maybe his closest friends. So he has granted me and Greg OG status. So it is going to be kitschy throughout the, the next uh, 30 minutes or so. And hey, who is, so Emmett is re really uh, uh, kitschy. Emmett's really ready to hear what you got, huh? Yeah, this is where you guys are seeing some of my friends and family join in and and, and watch me uh, take the stage today. So appreciate the love there, Emmett. Much much love for you too. Emmett Rogers sounds like a great name for an NFL running back, doesn't it? I mean, it think does. About it. it absolutely does. <laughs> it does. Great, great comment. Um, and by the way, closing the loop. Mom says, "Dad's candy is Ooh. salt caramel chocolate." Oh, excellent what, what? taste. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good pick. That is that's a good right. pick. We will check. Uh, on we'll get our research team on that, but. Ryan, before we move into um, uh, especially topics on warehouse and workforce and some some creative things going on there, we're going to keep the Halloween conversation going because, Kitchen, we want to know one of your favorite Halloween moments or memories or one of your favorite costumes of all time. Kitchy. I got you here, Scott. So I had two come to mind. One was the four years in a row that I had dressed as a Power Ranger, um, <laughs> the Red Power Ranger to be specific. And then the second was stimulated by your conversation with Greg about the king size candy bars. Growing up, I remember chasing after one house that had two liters of soda that me and my siblings and my friends, we would just sprint to and come home and have, you know, 10, 12 <laughs> different things of, of two liter soda Every that we would then. Every kid got a two liter? Every kid got a two liter until wow. they ran out, right? They could only have so many in the house, you know? Wow. Goodness gracious. A little different. It's a little different approach to, to candy giving, I'd Man. say. All right. So, Kitchy, that is, uh, I, I like the four years. At least you were consistent. Four years, yes. your, your parents knew what to plan for. Always oh, yeah. a red Power Ranger. Uh, Greg, that's going to be tough to top, but what's one of your favorite Halloween well, moments? Uh, Halloween is my wife's favorite holiday, so it's always big around our house. And one year... Uh, we had just bought an, a new house and we had a haunted house warming and um, to see a bunch of grownups come in and I, I, it was kind of during recession. So everybody, they really needed it. Right. And to see a bunch of grownups must have spent hundreds of hours or dollars on their, um, on their 
costumes. One of my buddies uh, came as a pirate, and I mean, he sold me. <laughs> I was sure he was actually a pirate. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was that was a really great memory. A lot of people had a lot of fun and, and um, got a lot of people who didn't know together and warmed the house at Halloween. Love it. Love it. Uh, if Philip Jordan is tuned in here today, one year as I was sharing pre-show, we both got scrubs. And I believe I was Dr. Pepper and he was Dr. Shoals, I believe is how that worked. And we had a lot of fun uh, with that. Um, okay. Uh, Todd's given us a 11.3-day uh, delay in Savannah. Thank you for that uh, factoid. Todd also says, great kitschy. to know. It is great to know. Todd says, kitschy is both a verb and a noun. Hey, we're learning some there we go. English diagramming uh, best practice here today. Uh, Guatam, hey, thank you. Uh, happy, happy Diwali to you as well. Uh, we were talking about in the front end, uh, all the best to you and your family. Thank you for sharing. And then finally, we're talking costumes, right? Halloween moments. Amanda says that her mom had crayon costumes made for the whole family one year. Her dad was the green crayon and walked her and her brother around the red and purple crayons, puffing on a cigar and drinking a Jack Daniels. Oh, and that's God. even funnier if you know Fred Mickey. So Fred, hope this finds you well. Uh, okay, so uh, with that backdrop, now we got to get into uh, you know some of the issues of our day, and I want to pop this story up here because this is where we want to start. Um, so Ryan, you've been tracking uh, this story here in the warehousing industry, as I mentioned, especially on the topic of workforce. Um, this interesting article from our friends at ID Logistics, which really speaks to the real cost of high warehouse turnover rates. So Ryan, tell us more here. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. So, so this article does a really nice job of outlining some of the apparent costs of warehouse turnover, but what a lot of organizations don't think about are, are some of those non-topical or non-top-of-mind costs that are associated to it. So the easy ones are, well, lost productivity, right? If I have 10 people that are fulfilling 10,000 units a day, two people don't show up, I'm 2,000 units short uh, against my goal for that day. Well, outside of those 2,000 units that weren't shipped, what else am I getting hit with in my bottom line that's going to impact my business for the future, right? So we think about HR costs. We think about hiring and training costs, background vetting costs. And then we think about customer acquisition costs, especially if you're in a direct-to-consumer environment, Scott. Mm. You think about if I said I was going to get my order yesterday and it still hasn't showed up, why am I going to go back and buy Scott Luton's shirt and pants again when I can go buy Greg White's shirt and pants and he, he delivers on his promise? So I think you know, there's those... <laughs> Darn skippy, exactly. <laughs> but it, it's those those very present costs that are top of mind for operators. But then there's those hidden costs yeah. th that come together. And you know, ID Logistics talks about eighty five hundred dollars. And this was something that came out in Q one of this year, as we know, inflation and where the economy is going. That's really the basement or the floor cost that I'm seeing for warehouse turnover uh, in the marketplace today. So, Kitchy, well, one thing you're sharing is is uh, turnover is costing us all a lot more than what we may think and assume. Uh, Greg, your thoughts on this article and, and Ryan's take here today. Yeah, it, it's interesting, not tied directly to labor, but um, you know, today I published one of my commentaries on Revlon, who is pff, swirling the drain uh, for a lot of reasons, but, but also one of the costs that they're incurring is penalties from their retailers by not delivering on time and in full. Uh -huh. And that is a brutal really hardcore costs. There's also expediting costs and various and sundry things that you have to absorb that you, when, when you get behind. Right. Um, so, I mean, there's, 
so much that that you don't think about. And I think this is uh, sort of the key of the risk management mix or balance of supply chain is we need to put numbers around these things. We need to understand the impact of these things because to date we have focused mostly on the cost of the product and the cost of freight, right? Cost of delivery, cost of uh, induction, all of that sort of thing. But there are so many more costs, including, as in the case of Revlon, the long-term and probably permanent cost to your brand esteem. This is literally mm. a company that is being delisted from the New York Stock Exchange because wow. their, their performance has been so poor that their valuation has declined. They will now be an OTC stock. So the wolf of Wall Street is coming for Revlon. <laughs> well, um, really interesting. And, and, and Greg, on your final point, that's kind of what Kitchy was saying on the front end. Folks, because of uh, picking errors and 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 uh, turnover, folks aren't going to buy shirts from me. Right, right. That no more plaid shirts. They want the cool shirts from Greg White uh, and Incorporated. T-shirts right? mostly. Right, Kitchy? <laughs> 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 They're buying from me. So um, I'm going to take a couple of quick comments here because uh, we're going back to the ports. A lot of folks are talking about the ports here today. Glormar says that she can see the port of LA from where she is, and it's empty. And her husband, who I think works at the port. Uh, port there in LA is struggling to get loads. Wow. Man. Uh, now, on a different note, tell him to move to the Mississippi Basin. He can start going oh, green down downstream. Man, it's, it's it's heartbreaking to see what's going on there. Now, Tom says back to Halloween, we should be all giving away Stucky's pecan rolls for Halloween. Probably thanks to uh, our friend Stephanie Stucky. Not everybody um, is a pecan man. <laughs> I mean, all right. They are delicious, and we all love Stephanie, of course. But man, just imagine getting that in your. I'm gonna take a watch. I'm gonna call it every single time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Kitchy, uh, we're gonna we're just gonna have the Halloween theme of the buzz. I'm gonna what, what we're gonna use uh, a week from now. But Kitchy, what is one of your favorite candies you would get when you'd knocking on doors back in the day? Aside from like two liter uh, cokes yeah, or sodas, you, yeah. I've never even heard of that, that. but Kitchy, what's one pe- what candy that you loved? So I would say I'm a big Kit Kat fanatic. Oh. Anytime I can get my hands on a Kit Kat, it, it doesn't stand a chance. It's going to be gone in, in an instant. Man, I'm with you. Okay. I am I'm, with you. You have to forgive me. Kit Kats are the ones yeah. you break apart, right? Correct. Break me off like a piece. Cookie in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Eat wafer cookie. Yeah, I always exactly. get them confused with Twix, but <laughs> I just, would... I would also give honorary mention to Whoppers, my mom's favorite Ooh, Halloween yes. candy, and she turned Multiple me on to those as well. Balls. You don't like milk no, balls, Scott? No, not milk. milk like, as my mom pointed out here, we're always very great to have uh, mom and dad with us, right? Uh, milk duds, even though they're terrible for your teeth, man, we can eat through those. Yeah, um, your okay. balls. <laughs> they were terrible, right? All right, so we got to get back to work, folks. Uh, we were just talking about the real cost of high warehouse turnover rates. Uh, loved your perspective there, Kitchy and Greg. So let's let's shift gears though, because this is an interesting perspective here. Christian Dow with MHI writes in this article that quote, "You can't afford not to automate," and I would submit that he probably he's probably not wrong. But uh, Kitchy, your thoughts here? <laughs> 
Yeah, Scott, this article really jumped out at me for a couple of reasons. If we think about the supply chain space and how companies have been differentiating themselves, people have looked at automation in the past two to five years as a way to differentiate their position in in the supply chain and how they're uh, moving their goods between facilities to customers, et cetera. And that was the last two to five years. He makes it very clear for a lot of reasons in this article where it's going to be table stakes, if not expected from organizations to have some baseline level of automation going into the next two or five years. And some of those reasons are going to be right. Changing consumer purchasing behavior is one of those biggest drivers, but it also goes back to that labor and retention element that we talked about on the previous article, right? If you're not automating and you're, you have a linear relationship to labor, if you have 20% of your staff not show up, there's 20% of your business that you're losing that day, right? So if you find ways to automate with uh, pieces of your supply chain, right? You become less less dependent on that labor in a linear manner. And someone doesn't show up, maybe it's not a thousand units, maybe it's only 200 units, right? For either that B2B or direct consumer case that Greg and I were kind of bouncing back and forth there. Um, and then also when we think about RFPs from a third party perspective, right? Customers who are entering into RFPs for service providers are going to start to make this a requirement moving forward because if they want to future proof their business, wouldn't they want their service provider to be future proofing theirs? Mm. Oh, I love that. And by the way, folks, y'all should know that Scott's plaid shirt company, we're, we're, we're investing heavily in automation. No more letdowns in 2023. Um, but kidding aside, Greg, speak to uh, speak to what Kitchen was just sharing and, and automation in general. Yeah, well, at White T-shirts, we have been automated for a decade. So <laughs> just letting you know. Um, I love it. But I, I mean, but I think that's a really good kind of maybe maybe segue. Look, get them to show up for work. Hell, you can't even get them to show up to apply for work. That's the foundational problem, right? Is the the outgoing generations were the physical workers in warehouses and you used to have to fight a battle against automation to be able to automate your facilities. Now, these incoming generations, they fully expect those mundane, those dark, dirty, dangerous and dull jobs to be automated so they don't have to do them and they are staying away from those jobs in droves, in manufacturing, in warehousing, in transportation. Right. So it's not it's not even just that you risk productivity when your staff doesn't show up. You risk productivity by even having a staff, because in a lot of cases the the the, there's not enough people to fill those jobs, those seven million able bodied men who are not applying for those jobs and and have the ability to work them um, is just one example. Right. So Mm. let's let's think about this and shift the narrative on automation from apologizing for it to recognizing that it is an absolute must because there are jobs that human beings shouldn't be doing, including 12 year olds doing metal stamping. And it doesn't even have to be that dangerous. It just has to be that dissatisfying for people to not want to do that job. And because they want to apply their intellect, not their brute force to, to work these days. So, the, the world has changed and we have to recognize it. And that's why not only can you not afford it, you, you, can't, you can't even expect to be able to do it, much less right. do it affordably. That's right. China is investing. Uh, they, they were the, the largest one. labor force on the planet. Right, 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 and they're trying to get out in front of some of these, some of their population demographics. Every country, every every workforce. Um, Bill is a big fan. Uh, some knowledge are dropping here today. As well, are we, uh, Kitchy T squared says. Looks like the mantra of connect and develop with a bit of collaboration never sleeps. How about that? It's like poetic. I love it. Um, <laughs> I and this LinkedIn user is an NFL fan. I'm curious if he's an NFL <laughs> fan. 
who his team is. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know your, who your NFL team is. Um, this may be Jose, I believe. Automation also attracts talent. People want to work at companies that invest in technology. I completely Excellent agree. Point. It, I mean, yep. it really becomes a big part of your identity as, an, as a mm-hmm. corporation. Yeah, before I t- I'm, I'm going to grab Julio's comment in just a minute. I'm going to make an observation on Walgreens and the automation they've got. But Kitchen, I'm going to give you the last word. Um, you know, kind of playing on, uh, I think it was Ho- Jose's point here, you know, about traction. I think not only we're, we're making, we're, when automation is pl- applied successfully, right, and and with um, with the business goals in mind, we're also making it easier for our team, right, making their life easier to do more fulfilling work. But get to your final comment here around automation. Yeah, Scott, thank you. So to that point, really, both of the articles that we touched on, they talked about the importance of retention and and how businesses should be tracking that as a top KPI. And when we think about automation attracting labor, it also keeps them in the building, right? If we think about the saturation of warehouses in any industrial park, users have the ability to go from a Walmart to an Amazon to a Walgreens to whomever right down the road, and they're jumping for less than a dollar of incremental change to their salary. But if you are able to create an environment and a culture that makes their job easier, makes them less stressed out or less tired at the end of the day, and you're paying them a comparable fair wage, you're going to see retention increase. And it's, again, it's, it's a platform or a mechanism to make this, um, you know, not appealing job more appealing to, to people and making sure that we can support the business around us. Well said. Very, let me correct myself. Uh, this was Ryan that mentioned automation also attracts talent. People want to work at companies that invest in technology. So Ryan, thank you for that. Um, all right. So Greg and Kitchy, uh, I, I want to do a couple things here. I want to share just a couple quick comments here. Uh, ask, and they shall deliver. T Squared's a big Ravens fan. That's, that's, that's his, his home team, and a big fan of who's EAP. Is that an acronym for a player? All right. So T Squared, oh, you stuck us here. In. I'm trying. Oh, here we yeah, go. I should know that <laughs> Edgar Allan Poe, not oh, an NFL player. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> so, boy, you can see that the way he writes. Yeah. Oh, These all right. sort of cryptic kind of poems. Um, that's you right. Can see that too. <laughs> that's a good. We point. need to have. We need to sit down and have a discussion someday. Someday, Tyrone about about Edgar Allan Poe. We'll go Agreed. to Charleston and learn a lot about <laughs> he, where he was deployed in the army. By the way. Okay. Uh, all right. So Jose says in Portugal, three PLs have the same problem with labor force shortages. No doubt, it's an issue. In warehouse automation, looks like one of the solutions. Uh, Gary Miller says the competition for talent automation is fierce. If you're an engineer that can design, program, or implement an automated system in manufacturing or warehousing, you will be in demand for a very long time. And I like Bill's comment here. Workers want AC. Given the choice between hot and AC, they will choose work in the AC. <laughs> so, excellent point. For, I mean, that's it's really, really, really foundational, but it is a great point. That's right. I mean, picking pick orders in a warehouse in Atlanta during June and July. Holy cow. Right. No Can you imagine it? Okay. So what I want to do here, I got 1246. So we got some some bonus time with Ryan Kitchy here. So Ryan, as we uh, talked about pre-show, Greg and I have really enjoyed um, kind of an army of, of Six River Systems folks that have uh, been with us on live streams and webinars, you name it this year, really have enjoyed their perspective. Um, but for the three people that missed some of those maybe, um, Kitchy, what you know? What does Six River Systems do? 
Sure. So Six River Systems, Scott, we're the warehouse automation division of Shopify. We work with 3PLs, retailers, wholesale parts distributors to really help them mitigate the macro labor challenge, increase performance in their warehouse, and eliminate the amount of mispicks and errors that are leaving the building. Uh, we work with large companies, and, and a good proof point for us would be Walgreens, Scott, that you, or th that you mentioned earlier, right? We help them increase the flow of goods within their facility, lower training times to nearly 15% or 15 minutes per new associate, and helping them scathe off moving into a new building and, and signing a new lease on, uh, on that square footage that they currently have, which is a pretty penny. Okay. Well, I'm glad you picked back up on that uh, yeah. because I, I want, I'm going to speak about Walgreens in just a second. Julio sure. is talking about Walmart. Julio says, I read a, a very interesting article about Walmart's implementation of automation and augmented reality technology and inventory management. 100% adoption rate across 4,500 stores and significant improvements. Julio, that's good stuff. We'll, we'll look for that. Also, I uh, had a great interview with Mike Prince, uh, a senior executive with Walmart. Y'all can check that out in our supply chain now library. That just uh, dropped a week or two ago. Um, speaking of Walgreens, I read uh, on the last uh, few, four or five days that, you know, we're talking a lot about warehousing talent, right? And supply chain talent. Well, uh, of course, Walgreens leans on pharmacy, pharmacist talent. And, and evidently, there's a big dearth of talent in that space, too. Has been right? for a while, yeah. Well, this is new to me. Uh, but one of the things, and, and Six River Systems may be involved, I'm not sure. Um, Kitchen and I didn't plan this. But Walgreens is uh, developing like city block sized automation centers that's going to take a lot of mundane work off their current uh, 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 staff of pharmacists, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and allow them to, to spend their time on more, um, more involved work, right? And it's going to save Walgreens, at least Wall Street Journal said, a billion dollars a year. Holy cow. How about that? So, um, well, I'm, you anything that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But I mean, really, what I love about, you know, and, and I don't have the, the full case study. It was a, a pretty brief article. But, yeah, I love how um was evident to me, at least, they've identified that business objective, right? And they're not going to bridge that talent gap anytime soon. So, let's let's get the the mundane and the stuff that the blocking and tackling off that valuable talent, you know, staff's uh, plate and figure out a way to uh, practically automate it. And not only are you going to have happier, I would argue, happier team members, right, that can spend their time in, in more uh, fulfilling work. But, man, how about those bottom line results, Kitchy? I love it. And if you think about it, look at Walgreens, right? A hundred year company that they often, if not all the time, have to stay ahead of these trends and these curves in order to create the brand and, and achieve what they've done over the past hundred plus years. So it, I don't know about this story personally, Scott, but it doesn't make, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest to hear this. And I'm excited to, to read more about the article that, that you're referencing. Wonderful. Um, okay, Greg, I'll get your take. Just uh, automation, general retail, one of the, you know, Walgreens, Walmart, you name it, your thoughts. Yeah, well, um, I'm just only slightly off topic, but I have been going through security quite a bit as I've been traveling over the football season. And um, the last time I went through security, um, I didn't show my ID or my boarding pass to a human being. I slipped it into a little card reader, your your driver's license, and then you put the your boarding pass, which is now electronic, on another reader. And they sit behind a screen just to make sure that you've done it. And we are not far from even at airport security, that role being largely or completely automated with only supervisors bouncing around for exceptions. 
Likewise, think about the fact that we are now scanning our own groceries. Yes, we are the employer employees of our own suppliers. <laughs> we should get free labor. That free labor, bike, right? Because um, <laughs> it takes me about an hour even to use one of those, so I should save like nineteen <laughs> bucks. Um, but uh, you know, we're going to see more and more of this automation because people, you know, I, I think our generation, Generation X, and beyond recognize that certain tasks should be automated. And it's been a bit unnatural that we've kept some of them manual for so many years. And now as that generation that required those manual jobs, as they leave the workforce, it's much, much more natural to automate those, to see those being automated now. As I say very often, Scott, we, we can quit apologizing for automation, right? It yep. is an absolute necessity. We're not That's putting right. anyone, not anyone, at least not in industrialized countries, we're not putting anyone out of work because as we've proven, at least in the U.S. and a lot of the European countries, people, again, are staying away from these jobs in droves. They don't want them, aren't going to take them. So human, big human labor and mundane tasks, quote of the raven, nevermore. Oh, never more. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, Truly we'll outstanding. I, I can see, I can feel in the forest, my 13-year-old daughter, the massive eye roll after I, I shared that. But no, we'll, that we'll save that for brilliant. later. Brilliant. Uh, Todd, <laughs> Todd says, robotics companies are truly software companies in disguise. Todd says he really likes the follow me technology of Six River Systems. I like that. Follow me technology. Come on, um, Tom says we are seeing more demand for incremental automation where it makes sense for small to mid and larger companies where they're open to a larger scope of integration of automation. And Tom knows, old TV knows. Yeah, and I can and see yeah. that, Tom. I can see that accelerating in those industries really rapidly because it's even harder for, for small um, yeah. SMBs to get staff than the big companies, right? Good point. Kitchy? I was just going to say, and it's the responsibility of the marketplace to provide those solutions at, at an economical price point so that those small and medium-sized businesses can lean into automation. How are they going to curb this demand curve? How are they going to change the way their consumers are purchasing? They need to have access to the tools to, to, to be able to fight the big juggernaut that is Amazon or Walmart and compete. Yeah, so I think that's, that's right. a really great point. Agreed. That's right. Um, heads up to our production team. I got 1253. We're going to keep Brian Kitchy with us through the end of the show here today. We've oh, got a couple man, resources. You get to close it out with us. I feel so lucky. <laughs> right? I feel so lucky. Well, hey, before we rookie on the field to, right to the end of the game. <laughs> we want no, to get 100 yards. I don't know. I think Kitchy is more like a he's like a, a five or six year veteran. He's already learned the, the 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 ropes and he's out there making the big sack or catching the big touchdown pass or whatever I'm, you're I'm, Yeah, I would say I would say touchdown pass. I'm thinking Ryan Kitchy, that sounds so tight end like, right? Oh, <laughs> definitely tight end. Wide I open over the, the middle and shoves that that Mike linebacker off to get open. <laughs> exactly the Heisman. Yeah, the, I love it. All right, so um, let's talk about some some re great resources. I love the uh, Greg and I both like all the events and kind of how y'all build them at Six River Systems. Right? It's never uh, never pitchy. It's it's more about Always networking and, and new ideas. That's right. <laughs> oh, nice, Greg. Nice. There it is. Uh, networking, new ideas, being able to you know kick the tires on things. And this this upcoming event, uh, uh, Brian, we can see Chuck in action out in L.A. Tell us more about this. Yeah, so this is one of our open house events. So 
we are doing these on a monthly or bi-monthly basis with our current install base. And really the intent, the intent of these sessions is to make the first introduction to automation easier for people, right? This is completely free of charge. All you have to do is register, um, give us your name and your information and show up at the slotted time. You'll get the opportunity to see Chuck moving. You'll get the opportunity to actually use and pick on Chuck and see how easy it is to implement this within your own supply chain. So um, really just trying to break down the barrier for people to actually see different forms of automation in person. And, and if you're not in the Los Angeles area and you don't want to travel, we'll have more coming uh, later this year and early next. So um, definitely a lot of opportunities to see Chuck roaming around in, in action here soon. I love that. And, and evidently, as I, as I share this graphic again, these are popular uh, because even a few weeks out, you've got mm-hmm. one to three sessions already full. So folks are are taking advantage of this uh, this offering, huh? Absolutely. Availability is limited, so please get on there and register. We'd love to have you. Um, and if there's any questions, you can point those my way. All right. And he's and got more a, guests. There is an In-N-Out right? burger, burger yes. conveniently located nearby. <laughs> that there is. <laughs> Good call. All right. So, Greg, we'll have to uh, book our flight soon uh, and check your uh, your boarding pass technology uh, that you're seeing out there. <laughs> Crazy. Um, okay. Let's move right along to this this white paper. So, um, the fun stuff uh, with meeting Chuck and and the networking and the conversations. And then here's you know taking a deeper dive on eight reasons why autonomous mobile robots beat traditional automation. So, Kitchy, your thoughts here. Why should folks check this out? Yeah, this is this is a really good piece of material for people to to leverage, and I'll tell you why. Is when we think about warehouse uh, warehouse automation, we think about the traditional, highly mechanized, caged auto stores, goods to persons, the Amazon-like systems, and that's not necessarily what it needs to be. So, for Six River Systems, an AMR provider in the marketplace today, we provide eighty percent of that value that you get from these large, highly mechanized systems at twenty percent of the cost. Mm-hmm. And, and when I talk about the responsibility or onus on the providers to make things accessible for those small and medium-sized businesses, AMRs is a really, uh, at this point, you know, five or six years into being an organization at large that we are at Six River Systems, a great way for people to kind of dip that toe into automation and not have to make a five or $10 million capital expenditure in order to, to see a lift in their business. So mm. that, that's a good piece of material. I highly encourage people to give it a read. Wonderful. Uh, Greg, you're f- I'm going to share a couple of comments here in just a second. Well, let me go ahead and share it. Bob says he's had great success with Six Rivers, just as you describe. And this is Bob in Nashville. Uh, so, Bob, thank you for sharing. What's Bob's and, business? Yeah, Bob, feel free. Drop it in there. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, – and Do you know, do you know yeah, no, Bob, Bob Clunk is a, a current customer of ours. He is the chief operating officer uh, at one of our installs. But great, great. I'm really happy to see him join and appreciate the support, Bob. Okay. How about that? Man, if the customers show up on a live stream, <laughs> touting, singing praises, that's that ain't, that ain't bad. That's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is from Ryan again. Ryan says, small to mid-sized companies need more flexible automation that is less capital intensive but can adapt as a company grows. I, think, I can – I can take that one again, Scott. That's sure. Ryan Robertson from MD Logistics, one of our another install of ours. So, um, just him preaching really what we've talked about today. And, and Ryan, appreciate the support and, and know that you've been able to actualize a lot of uh, the benefits that we've talked about today for your business. Okay, man. How about that? Um, all right. So we got to leave it there. Uh, but before we start to sign off, Greg, I'm going to give you the last word here in just a second. I want to make sure. So, Kitchy, of course, folks can. Uh, you'll be at a lot of these open house events where they can come meet Chuck, uh, you and the rest of the team, so they can maybe meet you at one of those. 
Um, uh, you can, uh, of course, download the white paper. Where else can folks connect with you and the team? Could you? So great question, Scott. <clears throat> you can reach me on LinkedIn. The uh, Supply Chain Now team will make sure that my LinkedIn information is uh, available for you. Go to sixriver.com to, to just see the latest and greatest that we have on our website, or you can email me at ryan.kitchy at sixriver.com. Or if you don't want to talk to me, you can email info at sixriver.com and we'd be happy to help and assist in any way possible. Who wouldn't want to talk with a uh, Hall of Fame building NFL tight end, Ryan Kitchy, Greg, huh? <laughs> Uh, all right, before I get Greg's last uh, final takeaway. rookie card. <laughs> yes. Google and looking for his rookie card. That's right. Uh, T-Square says the Rudy partnership needs to be more abundant in the warehouse space. Uh, agreed with that and really appreciate all of your uh, inputs here today. T-Squared, who holds down the Fort Force, by the way, on YouTube. Uh, again, we dropped Ryan's LinkedIn profile there. We dropped the uh, link to the white, pay, uh, white paper and the uh, meet Chuck event uh, in LA and I'm not, I'm not talking lower Alabama, but the real LA on November 2nd. So y'all check that out. Okay. Greg, Ryan Kitchy uh, with six river systems. Great guest here today on the buzz. What was one of your favorite things that you gleaned from this hour long conversation here today, Greg? Yeah, I think that, I think the combination of Shopify and, and six rivers makes a whole lot of sense for small businesses, right? Uh, you know, I have this whole, uh, um, file folder full of companies that I call ABA, anyone but Amazon, that are giving small businesses the opportunity to to compete in in marketplaces all over the world. And Shopify is one of those that has, you know, they've they've brought out all kinds of capabilities, even sourcing of goods, all kinds of things that that help small businesses have a chance against Amazon and in marketplaces where they don't have to pay the exorbitant fees and risk the intellectual property of their company as you do with Amazon. Um, so I love what Six Rivers is doing to contribute to that. And as Ryan said, this is the part that I love the most. 80% of the value at 20% of the cost. Mm. That's an, the, the return on investment in that is incredible. It literally makes it accessible to any size business who wants to explore automation. And because in a lot of cases, this follow me technology, it allows you to augment the work of a human being. It allows you to, it allows you to keep your staff engaged in the parts they need to be engaged in and support them with a technology, you know, um, that, that can increase your efficiency and timing and, and really truly your brand esteem to your customers. Remember, we talked about that. Even your brand's reputation is what you deliver through supply chain. Excellent. Uh, final word there. Hey, we're going to break the rules because it's our show. Uh, yes, Kim Winter, great to see you here today. And a uh, question, I think this is Jose, is Six River Systems in Europe? Kitchy? We sure are, Jose. We are in the UK and Europe, so would be happy to have a conversation. Uh, just just uh, find me through the means that, that we shared earlier. Great. It's just that easy. Great question. Okay. Uh, big thanks to Ryan Kitchy with Six River Systems. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for having me on the show, guys. A real high mom and dad moment for me. I know Scott's parents are in the in the crowd <laughs> right. as well, but thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the time. Hey, you bet. Uh, we'll have you back, I'm sure. Uh, everyone that showed up, I uh, really appreciate all the comments, and we couldn't get some of them, but y'all keep them coming. I love uh, that aspect of the buzz. Big thanks to our production team, right? Amanda, Chantel, uh, Catherine, and Clay for helping to keep these shows humming right along. Greg, always a pleasure to yeah, knock out these shows with you. 
Um, and big thanks. Thank you, Kitchy. Big thanks to mom and dad who showed up on the buzz. I love uh, when they find a way to, to plug in and, and pose their perspective and, and questions as well. Folks, whatever you do, hey, D's not words. Clearly, this opportunity is right there, but it's not going to do it for you. you got to reach out and connect with Kitchy and make things happen. But whatever you do, D's not words. Uh, Scott Luton, Greg White, our entire supply chain now team challenging you. Do good. Give forward and be the change. We'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.